I don't know if you guys have uh, friends or family um, in Korea, but I think, is it just certain cities or the entire country of South Korea, they've um, all closed their houses of worship, right? Is it just certain cities or the entire, that's amazing, right? Can you imagine if, if that decree comes to us here in the United States, all 50 states, and saying that on Sunday everyone stay home, don't gather in houses of worship? That's unprecedented, right? They're trying to get a handle on this virus, and people are worshiping from home. And this morning, I was actually, um, as you know, Jessica Cho, a good friend of mine, is in Korea, and um, she was posting about um, how everybody is glued to their computer or phone or whatever, and they're doing worship. All the churches in Korea are doing worship, like, well, not all, but um, through technology, through the internet and, and even communion and stuff like that. That's amazing. So I just spent a little bit of time this morning thanking God for technology, just innovation. Can you imagine? Back in the day, um, that would have just been it. Like, you know, you just kind of stay home, maybe do family worship, which isn't bad in itself, but because of technology, technological advances, can you imagine that you can still, so I was imagining, oh, this, if that happens here, you know how for Wednesday night HOP, we have, we uh, live stream it on Facebook, if you guys know, just tune in on Wednesday evenings at eight o'clock, click on to our Facebook group, and you can see the uh, hour of prayer, it's really good. We can also see who's logging in, so, what is that noise? Is that me? Oh, um, so yeah, if it comes to that, I think even on Sundays, that's what we would have to do, and, and that would still be fine. I think that would be great. All right, so we are today launching this Time to Dream. It is our 40-day um, campaign. It's brand new. Um, if you're familiar with Pastor Rick Warren and the Saddleback Church in California, Southern California... Um, you know that he has multiple various campaigns that they do. His most famous one, everybody knows, is the Purpose Driven Life. Our church actually has done that twice. We also more recently did um, a campaign called the 40 Days of Prayer. Do you guys remember that? And that was also good as well. And so this one, Time to Dream, um, and it leads up to Easter, the 40 days. Um, it also uh, is the newest one, so it's fresh. It hasn't been done before. So we're really excited about it. And, you know, it comes at a very, very crucial time, I believe, because I know that you guys have noticed this too, but there's just been a lot of changes happening, not just in the world and not just, you know, in our neighborhoods and community, but also even in our church. There's been a lot of, I think, transitions and changes in our membership. As you know, several families have left, new people have come, so there's been some changes in, in what Sunday worship um, the people look like. There's been um, changes in terms of discussions and negotiations happening about um, our future. Are we going to buy a stake in this building? Are we going to locate here permanently? Is this home for us? Is Hope Church gonna be synonymous with the gathering place and Clarksville? We will always be at Clarksville now. You know, these are really big changes that we're, we're thinking about, things that we're discussing. Um, you know, a permanent location, wow. Uh, buying and spending literally hundreds of thousands of dollars in buying a piece of this building. These are big things. Changes about our future, about um, articulating our vision, that has come up recently. 
uh, people have been asking, what is the vision of Hope Church? Yeah, we know what it was back in 2008 when we became an independent church. Yeah, we know what it was when Pastor Q came back. Uh, was it 2001? And he got the name Hope Church, uh, Hope Ministries at the time uh, when he was in a mission trip to India. But does our mission and, and our vision statement need to change? Does it need to be revised? Does it need to be updated along with the changes that are happening in terms of, do we have a new vision now, a new dream because of where we're located? We're not near college campus anymore. We're not near this, you know, uh, we're not in PG County anymore. We're in Howard County, which is a world of difference from PG. Um, so it's a different geographic um, socioeconomic uh, people that we are among, right? So these are all changes that are happening. And Pastor Q and I have been discussing, we've been sharing, we've been praying about these matters for the past few months, particularly during our weekly staff meetings. And people laugh because they're like, you know, it's just the two of us at the staff meetings, but it's still a staff meeting. Um, and it's like over two hours long. Every Tuesday morning, we have our staff meetings. Nobody to bring us coffee or anything, but we have our staff meetings. But it's not a coincidence, I believe, that the word that was given to Hope Church in recent years, in 2018 and 2019, if you remember, not a coincidence, the word given was about open doors and about keys that will unlock certain things, right? It was about expansion, expanding our territory, also expanding our knowledge of certain things, about building foundations, right? It was about um, shoring up our foundation because change was coming and we needed to be prepared for those changes to come. This is so God. These are things that we've been praying into, praying about God is speaking to Pastor Q and myself and it is here. It has come. All these changes, you know, questions. What are we doing? What's our future look like? People are leaving. People are coming. What's our vision? All these things, really, the word was given to us two years ago that these changes were going to come. And that's why we needed to buckle down and we needed to shore up our foundations and be ready so that we don't collapse or shift like houses built on sand. So it is indeed time to dream. Trusting God to open doors. Um, and I'm going to do part one, dreaming the future that God wants for you. And it's going to be various Bible verses all over the, um, everywhere. It's not just going to be one text. So it, it is the perfect time. It is indeed time for us to dream. And we're going to utilize these next 40 days, um, this campaign, to do it. And the question is, what is um, spiritual campaign? What is a spiritual campaign? And why does Saddleback do it? And why do so many churches um, throughout, why do we do this? Well, it says it's a concentrated, this spiritual campaign of growth is a concentrated 40-day spiritual boost to your life that we commit to doing together to equip and energize us for our future. So if you think about it, there's two com components to this. It's twofold. Individually, because it says here, it's to boost your life. It's time for you to dream. What is God telling you, right? Individually, but also together. We're doing this together as a church and as a community to equip, to equip and energize us right, to do life together for our collective future as a community of faith and as a church. Was that what was making the noise this whole time? Your mic was on and you were shaking it? Oh my goodness. A mystery solved, people. <laughs> it was the mic he was half sitting on. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Keith, he's mad. <laughs> 
Keith is like, <laughs> All right, so individually and together, we want you to focus on you. We do. We want you to focus on your dream. What is God showing you, revealing to you about his dreams for you and your life? You know, you're never too young. You're never too old to dream, okay? So what is God saying to you? But also at the same time, simultaneously, like I said, we believe that we here as a community. God speaks to us through other people about my life, and I don't do life alone. I am in community. I've got a husband. I've got family. I've got a church. I've got, you know, all this. And so what is the dream for us as a peoples, as, as, you know, Hope Church. So we want to think about that. What We want to focus on us as a church, our dream, our future. What is God saying to Hope Church in this season about his dreams for us? So it's twofold. And this will be a concentrated focus for the next 40 days. And it's, like it says here, it's a boost, right? Oh, I didn't want to do that yet. It's a boost. It's, it's like a jump start. It's a quick start um, that we're doing at the beginning of this new year. Now, a lot has been said about 2020, right? And it is the beginning of a new decade. It is the beginning of a new year. And 2020, you know, 2020 vision, all those things, analogies and, and metaphors and things are used here. But I believe that, again, it is not coincidence. It is a, timing is everything. God. And it is indeed the perfect time for us to dream and to start talking about dreaming. So there are three definitions of a dream that I want to briefly, so that we all know we're on the same page. First type of dream, there's, there's three types of dreams. First is thoughts and images that you have while you're asleep. Everybody's familiar with that, right? Thoughts and images, things that you think about, things that you, sometimes you wake up and you remember them, sometimes you don't. Some people dream in black and white, some people dream in color, right? Some people uh, sleepwalk, and so they're acting out their dreams while they're sleeping. Um, so these are things that happen, dreams while you're sleeping. And they could be nightmares, or they could be pleasant dreams, right? They could be from God, or it could be an upset stomach from that taco you had last night. So you, you, it could be either or. We don't know. And these are the types of dreams that you have while you're asleep. Secondly, the dreams also means your desires and your ambitions, right, um, that you have while you're awake. Daydreams, right? You're sitting and you're wandering, you're bored, or your mind starts to wander, and you dream about... Where could I be besides sitting here right now in this worship service? Or, you know, you dream about where you would like to be. I'm sure everyone has said this phrase at some point or another. I've always dreamed of, what? I've always dreamed of visiting Paris. I've always dreamed of making a million dollars and retiring early. I've always dreamed of having lots of kids. Or I've always dreamed of, right? And you talk about dreams that you have. I always dreamed of owning a Toyota Camry. You know, these kind of um, dreams, right? That is my dream, by the way. These dreams are things that you've always wanted to do. These are dreams where you've always wanted to have. It's like a goal. It's like a, a purpose or, or like a desire or passion. And we speak about those in terms of the word dreams. You know, my dream is to do this or to do that. Um, and having this type of dream is more important than the ones that you have while you're asleep. Again, like I said, the ones that you, were, you had when you were asleep, you may or may not remember them. It could be a fluke. Um, it could be a nightmare, which you don't want to remember. But the dreams that you have while you're awake, things that you're setting as goals and desires and passions, when these awake dreams, these are decidedly more important than the dreams that you have when you're asleep. Now, third, and this is the most meaningful and most important of the dreams, the third type of dream is the goal or purpose that God creates you to fulfill. 
So it's when you are dreaming. It's very akin to the whole, uh, what is um, God's will for me in my life? Basically, it's all these vocabulary, like what's his will, what's his plan, what's his purpose, what's his dream for me, what's his desires for me, you know, interchangeable words here. But it has to do with God. And this is the most important one of the three uh, types of dreams. Let me share these three verses that speak to this. Pastor Q just quoted the first one. Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, I know the plans I have for um, your life. By the way, um, these verses, they're not all NIV. They're all utilizing various different um, versions and translations. Uh, there are plans for your good, not plans to harm you. My plans for your life will give you great hope and a wonderful future. Now, let's suppose that um, you replace the word plans with dreams, and you insert, I know the dreams I have for your life. They are dreams for your good, not dreams to harm you. My dreams for your life will give you great hope and a wonderful future. I'd much rather have God's plans or dreams happen for my life than um, possibly my own selfish or unhealthy ones, ones that I dream up while I'm bored sitting in class or you know stuck in traffic or something. I would much rather that God-given dreams would come to pass than some of my selfish ones that I dream up. Ephesians 3.20 says, God can do anything far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request or dream in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working gently within us. God's dreams for us are so much bigger than anything we can dream up on our own. It's bigger than the dreams that we um, have for ourselves. You know how um, a lot of times those of us who have kids or our parents, you can think about, you know, sometimes we think small, right? But it's other people who have bigger dreams for us than we have for ourselves. You know, oftentimes, this is, maybe it's, just me, but um, I limit myself so often. And it's my friends who say to me, Mimi, what are you talking about? You're so much more than this. Think bigger, dream bigger. You know, when I was sharing, you remember um, Sue and Christina, Pastor Sue now, um, you know, I always dreamed of owning a Toyota Camry, always. And you have to understand the history of it. It was when I was a super poor seminary student. Uh, our car was falling apart. I was in Vancouver. I had just gotten married. We didn't know how we were going to pay next month's rent. Uh, we couldn't really afford food while I was in seminary. We had school loans. Hoon went fishing every day. That's why I don't eat salmon, because he would catch salmon, and we would eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So I don't eat salmon, but, um, or raw fish. And he, we were poor. So you have to, in that context, know that one day, something was wrong with my car, and one of my seminary friends, he had a nice new Toyota Camry, and he lent me his car. It was the best car I had ever driven in my life up to that point. I was like, what, 20, 23, 24, maybe? But anyway, it was the best car I'd ever driven, this Toyota Camry. So in my mind, it's stuck in my mind. That is my dream and my goal. I one day want to own a Toyota Camry. And I still tell people this, and I remember Sue shaking his head, and he was like, Pastor Mimi, you need bigger dreams. He was like, you need bigger dreams if Toyota Camry is your, you know? So that's what I mean, is that others have bigger dreams for us than we have for ourselves. We limit ourselves. And so God's dreams for us are so much bigger and wilder than we could possibly come up on our own or make up for ourselves. You know, you hear the phrase, think outside the box, right? 
Again, it's because most of us live in a little box. We know what's possible. We have boundaries, and we work and live and operate within that box. Hence the phrase, think outside the box, right? Well, think about this. God has no box. You know, nothing is going to limit him. We try to encourage one another saying, think outside the box, whereas God doesn't even have a box. There's no limit to the possibilities, and that is a good thing. It's amazing. And the good news is that when we follow God's dreams for our life, he will arrange the circumstances for us to achieve those dreams and those dreams to happen. He will arrange the circumstances for it to happen. Things will happen that we couldn't possibly in a million years have arranged or even, I'm not that smart or creative to have orchestrated and planned for it to happen that way. There's just no way I, I could have imagined that, you know, I have a dream and a goal, but how we got there, you know, it's just unfathomable to me. My life is proof of this. And I'm sure you um, can, you know, understand and you can relate with this is, you know, I had a dream that I wanted to learn Korean, that I wanted to be much, much better in Korean speaking than I was, you know, growing up my whole life here. And so I made plans to go to Korea. Immediately upon graduating undergrad at University of Maryland, I decided to go to the Korean Language Institute where all the great, um, you know, uh, diplomats and ambassadors or whatever, they get trained at Yonsei Institute, the Korean Language Institute. So I made plans, went to Korea to learn Korean, right? And I also, um, I don't know if Pastor Q remembers this, but this is when I was in his discipleship group in high school when he first mentioned seminary to me, when he first mentioned about, um, you know, going into ministry and being a pastor. And I don't know if you remember this, but I cried. I cried because I thought you were cursing me. I thought that um, you were like, you know, because I, I was thinking, no guy wants to marry a woman pastor, a woman who's going to be in ministry, basically you are sentencing me to celibacy, to a single life. I want to be married. No one's going to want to marry me. Why would you say that? And I was really, really upset, right? And then I remember what Pastor Q, do you remember what you said to me? He does. So he's, you, you said to me, you said, if God is calling you to do this and to be this, don't you think that he will also provide all the resources and things that you would need along the way, including a husband. Because, yeah, he didn't think I would make it alone, uh, you know, without a husband. <laughs> so he was wise back then, like this is years ago, like late 80s, 1980s. But he said, don't you think God knows what he's doing and he will provide? And again, I was like, oh, I don't care what PQ says. I'm never going to get married. I'm going to be old, big, you know, spinster. I'm going to be like, you know, Mother Teresa. And so... And then these were my plans, right? But who knew that God had orchestrated something even greater? Two, you know, knocking down two stones, two birds with one stone, two birds with one stone? Yeah, two birds with one stone was, you know, I just want to learn Korean at this Korean Language Institute at Yonsei. But what happens? I end up meeting and marrying a native Korean. You know, like Korea, he's a nationality, you know, Hun is Korean, Korean. I met him and married him in Korea. My Korean improved 
exponentially more than I could have gotten out of one semester at Yonsei, you know? Now I had mother-in-law and father-in-law, sister-in-law, I had to live with them for like a year, you know? My Korean, I would have never in my wildest dreams planned it that way. I'm gonna learn Korean by marrying into a Korean family with mother-in-law, father-in-law who are Korean. I would never have, you know, I thought that, you know, thinking outside, of, outside the box, but my Korean has improved crazily. And I got a husband. You know, I also got a husband who was the perfect fit in terms of who would be able to uh, marry me and be a pastor's husband and be okay with it, you know? So that is the story of my life, you know, just learning Korean and even about eventually getting married and still being able to be a, a female, a woman pastor. And thirdly, the third verse, Revelations 3, 8 is this is another very famous, well-known verse. It was one of the verses that uh, was spoken by PQ over the church. I have set before you an open door that no one can shut. I have set before you an open door that no one can shut. When God gives us his dream, he provides the open doors to make it happen. He does. But here's the hard part. We have to have the courage and be willing to walk through that open door. I think that's where we get caught up a lot of times where we stumble and fall. You know, we talk about, God, open a way for us. Make these opportunities and, you know, make a way for us. Make a way for us. And then when the door is flung wide open, we're like, oh, uh, just kidding, <laughs> you know? And things come up, whether it's fear, whether it's um, different obstacles, whether it's excuses, whether it's, you know what they always say, be careful what you pray for? You know, sometimes we're so in the mode of praying for something that when it happens and the doors open, we're so taken back by it that we're like not ready to walk through that door, right? We have to be willing to walk through that open door and that's where our faith comes in. It goes hand in hand. There are people who understand God's dream for their life. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I don't know God's purpose or dream for my life is, but then there are people who do. They know it, they understand it, they got it. And God opens doors and opportunities and arranges the circumstances for it to be achieved and for it to happen. But, again, they were too afraid to actually walk through that door. And they find excuses not to. And this reminded me of um, the whole story of Esther. Uh, last week in the Oasis Moms Bible Study Group, we studied the book of Esther. And, you know, Esther, I should study her more often just because, you know, she's one of only two women uh, named, uh, female named in the um, Bible. But it was really refreshing, and we had such a good discussion in our uh, mom's women's Bible study group about Esther. And this exactly reminded me of Esther. You guys all know the story, right? Um, God wanted to use Esther to save the Jews, to save his people. And in a million years, there's no way Esther could have even fathomed or dreamed of becoming queen and that she would be the one to save the people, that she would become queen. This, you know, just a little Jewish girl, you know. But God orchestrated and he arranged the circumstances for that to happen, for her to become queen, for her to come to the palace, and all this to happen, her being a Jew, Mordecai, you know, her cousin, all these things. But God opened a door for her to be able to save her people. But it involved risk to her life. She could have died 
by what she had to do. Because we know that she couldn't go in to just talk to the king uninvited. Because those who did, if you were not invited and you went and approached the king, what would happen? It was a law. You were going to be put to death. Unless he extends the gold scepter and he, it's an invitation to, yes, yes, you may approach me and I will hear what you have to say. So Mordecai says this to Esther. Read here, says this to Esther, um, chapter 4, 13. Do not think, and this is Mordecai talking to Esther, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. Um, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. What if Esther was too afraid to walk through this open door God provided? What if she, you know, Mordecai tells her, you've got to talk to the king. All of, you know, us, your people, the Jews, we are set to be, you know, completely annihilated and, and murdered, you know, killed. What if Esther was too afraid? I mean, she, her, she was literally risking her life to do this. The people would have been saved by some other means, possibly by some other person. If she was too afraid to walk through that open door and God arranged all these things for such a time as this for her to be queen, to have that kind of audience and favor with the king, all this was orchestrated, but yet in the end, she still had to walk through that door. She still needed to take hold of that opportunity to be able to talk to the king because of the position that she had as queen. So it's important that we dream with God, that we know God's dreams for our lives and for our church, our community. It's not just about my dream, but it's also about how my dreams then affect other people. Because we do life, you know, no man is an island. It's not just myself. Whatever my dreams that God gives me, it's to impact and affect those around me. Now, God's purpose for our life never changes, right? So we do know, you know, we say, what is the chief end of man? You know, as, as good Presbyterians. Anybody? Anybody? I hear mumblings. Yes? Y'all don't know? What is your purpose in life, people? The one that does not change. Yes, to worship God and to enjoy him forever. I mean, if you just have that as the basic, then, then you are halfway there. You are, you're good, right? So think about that. But our purpose, if you've read The Purpose Driven Life and did the campaign and the book and all that stuff, we know that we do have a purpose in our life, and it's fivefold. We're told it's fivefold. One is worship. We were made, the purpose of our life and purpose for my existence is to worship God, right? Not worship other things, but worship God. Secondly, we were made for fellowship. We're made to do community, you know, to have community to do life and do church together, right? Fellowship of the believers. Thirdly, discipleship. We were made for sanctification. We were made for um, iron sharpening iron. We were made for becoming more like Christ in discipleship and, and growing. We're not supposed to be just stagnant. Once we become saved, then that's it. But we have to, you know, grow from that. Fourthly, for ministry. We were made to serve others, to use the skills and the resources and the giftings that we have to serve and to minister others. And fifthly, the Great Commission, we were made to evangelize, to proclaim the good news, um, and to do missions, and, and to share the gospel. These, these don't change. No matter who you are, these this is a purpose for us, fivefold, right? But God also gives us many dreams for different ages and stages of our life. 
Does that make sense? For different ages and different stages in our life, God gives us different dreams or a um, variety of dreams, not just one for our life and then that's it. The dreams that God has for our lives changes with spiritual maturity. The dreams that God may be giving you is different from when you first became a Christian or when you were maybe uh, youth group, um, first year, uh, seventh grade or sixth grade in youth group, maybe God speaking to you and dreams. That's going to be different than when you are maybe a grandmother. You've lived many, many, many years. You've had children and grandchildren, and it's never too late. Like I said, God gives grandparents dreams too. It's not like, oh, life is over now. Just sit back and relax. Um, it's never done. Life is never done. So, yeah. So if you think about it, for our different, our level of spiritual maturity, our dreams, God-given dreams may change. Also, our God-given dreams will change with how obedient we were to the previous dream he gave us. How obedient we were to the previous dream that he gave us. If he's giving us dreams and we're ignoring it or we're messing it up or we're, you know, not going to be obedient to it or embrace it and all this kind of stuff, it'll change. God will tweak that for us as well. And if we're faithful in the small things, he will give us more, and he will expand our dreams. He will expand our territory. He will expand our influence. Do you get it? Do you understand what I'm saying? So it changes. Purpose of our life does not change, but our dreams, our visions, our, our um, you know, thinking, it just expands with that. Now look at your inserts. Everybody should have gotten this. It's a front and back half-page insert in your worship bulletins. Now, this message and this whole campaign and the word and Pastor Q will be preaching in the next couple of weeks, it comes from Pastor Rick Warren. This is um, the campaign that he's doing right now at his church. And um, PQ was commenting that this message that he, to set the foundation for the next 40 days, kind of set the foundation for why dreams, what about dreams, and why do we need to know God's dreams for us. Um, his, his message was an hour and 15 minutes hour and 15 minutes long, and it was 15 pages, single space, uh, typed, small font, small point size, typed um, message, right? So I will not be preaching for an hour and 15 minutes, and you can see on here that there are 12, but we're going to get through them pretty quickly. Um, there are 12 reasons for why we're doing this, why we should know God's dream for our life. So if you look here, again, what is spiritual growth campaign? It tells you that. And then the 12 reasons I must know God's dream for my life. I don't have the time to really elaborate each point, but if you have a pencil or pen, um, it's pretty self-explanatory. You can fill in the blanks, you know, keep up with me because I'm going to try to go through uh, this. Um, and, you know, again, sorry not to dwell on it as much, but here we go. First, God gave me the capacity to dream. God gave me the capacity to dream. It begins with God. We humans were created in the image of God. Genesis 1.26 says, let us make human beings in our image and likeness. We have the ability to dream with God, to co-create with God. We are most like God when we are being creative, right? That's what sets us apart. Nothing else in creation can do that. That makes us unique among God's created. We have the ability to co-create with God and be creative and be imaginative. Think about how awesome that is. That makes us unique, unique among his creation. Like I said, we're going to kind of go through this. Number two, without a dream, I'm dying. 
What verse does that make you think of? Of course, Proverbs 29, 18. Very famous, very often quoted verse. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. When we are not dreaming, we're dying. Without a dream, I'm dying. We need to constantly be asking, God, what do you want us to do next? What do you want me to do next? You can't live on yesterday's dreams, okay? It has to be fresh, you know? Kind of has to be renewed. You have to, you know, keep it before you, not behind you. Always, you know, moving towards something, right? So constantly asking, God, what do you want us to do next as a church? What do you want me to do next in my life? What, are, what dreams do you have for me, okay? And third, Everything starts with a dream. Everything starts with a dream. If you look at anything that's been created, somebody had to first dream it up. You think about the internet. You think about the automobile, combustible engine. You think about anything that has been created. Someone had to dream it up. It, had, it was an idea first. It was a dream first. Even the iPhone or cell phones and computers. and it, you know, Many, many, many years ago, it was just a dream. You know, it was not a uh, reality for them. Um, either God created it and had to think it up, like, you know, God created the heavens and the earth, nation. I would have never dreamed of what a tree would be like or different types of flowers and all the different weird animals <laughs> that, 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 you know, that are out there. I don't have that kind of imagination, that creativity, but God does. Or human innovations and technologies and things like that. Somebody out there, whether it was Bill Gates, whether it was... You know, these things, someone had to dream it up and think about it. Albert Einstein said this. He said, imagination is more important than knowledge. Imagination is more important than knowledge. Hence, you know, the whole Montessori, you know, how that takes off and things like that. It's about how we think and how we're creative rather than the actual knowledge that we have, right? This is a very significant statement considering who it's coming from. Albert Einstein is very, very revered. He is one of the most smartest, knowledgeable men in history. That's not, it's undisputed, right? Everybody knows who Albert Einstein is. So it is remarkable that he would say imagination is more important than knowledge. Apostle Paul says, Ephesians 1.18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can see something of the future that God has called you to share. The dream is for the future. We want to dream with God because the person we are to become, the things that we are to do, will come to us through God's dream for us. Who I'm supposed to be as a wife, as a mother, as a pastor, as a friend, as a daughter, the things that I'm supposed to do, it will come to us through these dreams. And it's always for the future, our future. It always starts with a dream. Fourthly, dreams show what God wants to do through me. Show what God wants to do through me. This is a very good example. Look at Genesis 41, 32. This is Joseph in the Old Testament story. We all know who Joseph is, right? Joseph um, tells Pharaoh, Pharaoh had these dreams and he needs an interpretation of it. And so Joseph gets called to interpret it. And Joseph says to Pharaoh, God has given you two dreams to let you know what he has definitely decided to do and that he will do it in your future. God let Pharaoh see in advance what was going to happen, that there were going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine to come, right? And Pharaoh wasn't even, a, you know, he wasn't a believer. He wasn't, you know, but that speaks to God's favor and how he has control, uh, you know, just his providential grace over all his creation. Pharaoh was going to be able to save his nation because God gave him a peak, 
into the future. God gave him a glimpse in advance of what was to come and that he would have to make preparations. Now notice, you know, God didn't give him a blueprint. When God gave him these dreams about the seven years of the fattened cow and the, you know, the, sheep, the, the, um, you know, the dreams about the seven years of famine, seven years of plenty, it wasn't like he also saw then written, you know, point by point, schematic diagram, flow chart, this is what I need to do, you know, storehouses, start packing things away, make silos. You know, it wasn't like a blueprint, but he got a peek about the, through this dream of what is to come, and he was able to prepare and save his people, which is remarkable. Fifth, I'm really running through this, right? My dreams define me. This is really important. My dreams define me. We shape our dreams, and then our dreams shape us. We shape our dreams. I spoke about this when I talked about the will of God, how, you know, we are, you know, we worry about, am I outside his will? Did I miss the mark of his will? And, you know, we're so caught up in that. We shape our dreams. The natural desires or abilities or things that we're interested in. Yes, God uses those things. Yes, right? And then our dreams shape us. If we don't have a dream, then we don't have a definition for our life. Let me explain. That's why people are so confused. That's why people have all these identity issues. People are always asking the questions, who am I? Why am I here? Why do I exist? Does my life matter? You know? Right? These days, young people, not even just young people, me, older people too, they're like, what's the significance of my life? Am I, you know, is, does my life matter at all? Who am I? You know, these identity questions. If you don't have God's dream for you, you don't have a definition to your life. Then you don't know. You're not aware that this, you know, the one who created you, you are created by the creator who is sovereign. So you are not your own, right? And who knows you better than the person that created you, right? The inventor, the person that created something is going to know best how that thing works, right? So God knows us. And if we don't have God's dream for us, then we don't have a definition for our life. We don't know who we're supposed to be. We don't have that for us. We don't know who we're supposed to be. Jesus says in Matthew 6, and 23, your eye is the light for your body. If your vision is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your vision is evil, your whole life will be full of darkness. So depending on your vision, depending on your dream, that says a lot about who you are. The things that you're dreaming of, like I said before, like if you're dreaming about retiring early, making your first million dollars, you know, by the age of whatever. If you're dreaming about, um, I don't know, doing something crazy. Some, your dream is to hike up Mount Everest. I don't know. Uh, things like this. It, it, it tells me, wow, that person's very adventurous. Those are the types of dreams that they have. Do you know, it tells me a lot about, well, it tells you a lot of my dream car, Toyota Camry, tells you a lot about who and what I am, right? So it really is telling what your dreams are. It says a lot about who you are. Now, number six, a dream keeps me growing. A dream keeps me growing. 
Having a dream keeps you focused and growing, and it makes you develop new skills. Can you imagine if you don't have a dream, then you are not growing. You are stagnant because there's nothing new. There's nothing that you're working towards, right? If you have a goal, if you have this dream that you are trying to achieve and God is working with you in conjunction to, to get there, right, through these open doors that he's providing for you, you have to be in tune every day with what God is doing. Someone once said, there aren't any great people only great dreams. Think about that. We are all born the same. We all are born naked. Everybody starts with diapers. Everybody learns to walk. Humans are the same. There's nothing great about you know, this newborn baby as opposed to that newborn baby. We start out the same. There aren't any great people, only great dreams. When an ordinary person goes after a great dream, he or she becomes a great person, right? A few uh, people come to mind. Think about this, right? When you think about ordinary people, but because of a great dream, they're known for that dream, they are great people, and they go down in history as such. What's, like, one of the first people you think of? Come on, let's see if you think about the same person I thought of. Yes, yes, we think alike. I thought of Martin Luther King. Did you? You did too, right? You're just afraid to say it. Yes, it's not just me. I was thinking... Who, who better? He had the famous speech, I have a dream that one day, who else, people, right? What is he known for? His dream. He's just a, a, he was just a black preacher in the, in the South, a black preacher from the South, but he goes down to history, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We celebrate his birthday, we have holidays after him, we're required to learn about him. He is just like a hero, you know, because of a dream. He had a dream, you know? His whole legacy, everything, is built on the fact that his dream, his dream is more you know, famous than, than who it is. It made him famous. He says, I have a dream, that speech. And the other person I thought of, and you know, track with me here, was Lana Vasquez. I thought about Lana Vasquez. You know, we think, oh, Martin Luther King, he's way out there, big, famous, you know. But let's bring it a little bit closer to home. Let's think about people we know. Lana Vasquez. Her dream for the promised land and rescuing and saving trafficked children. That's a God-given dream. She is a little, barely five-foot-tall, Mexican-American woman from California. Saving children being trafficked in Thailand and Brazil? Who would have thought that? That is not from her. That is a God-given dream. She is a little, less than five feet tall, Mexican-American woman, unassuming, ordinary woman from California. And what is she doing? She's changing the world. She is talking to politicians and presidents and, you know, affecting laws in, in the nation of Thailand and, and Myanmar, and now she's in Brazil. You know, when I think about the dream that she had, you know, and, and her dream was always Brazil. She got a little bit sidetracked through Thailand, but yet now she's in Brazil. She always, 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 a dream keeps me growing. It keeps her growing. Her ultimately, her dream was Brazil, but she spent all these years in Thailand, but now she's in Brazil, but she is doing it. It keeps her growing, building up resources, keep walking forward, one foot in front of the other, you know, to do this because of this dream. These were very ordinary people, but they attach themselves to extraordinary God-given dreams. 
Do you see that? And they became extraordinary people because of the God-given extraordinary dreams. Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3, 12 through 15, up on the screen here, I know that I am not yet what God wants me to be. We all agree with that. I'm not what God wants me to be yet. He's still working on me. I haven't reached that goal, but I keep moving toward it to make it mine because Christ made me and saved me for this. I know that I haven't yet reached my goal, but there's one thing I always do. Forgetting the past and straining toward what is ahead, I keep my eyes focused on the goal so that I may one day win the prize that God has called me to receive through Christ in the life above. All of you who are spiritually mature should think the same way. Keeping focused on the goal, on the dream, it keeps us going and it keeps us growing. It keeps us going and it keeps us growing. This leads to number seven. A dream focuses my energy. Not everything is worth doing, right? Amen? Not everything is worth doing. Not everything is worth my time. Even good things are not worth doing if it's at the expense of doing great things. You need to prioritize, right? People say, oh, it's all good. I actually really don't like that phrase. It's all good, because it's not always all good. But people just kind of blanketly say, oh, it's all good. You know, yeah, you know, kind of laid back. It's all good. It's not always all good. There are things that are better, and you have to think about that. You need to prioritize and have clarity about those things. Otherwise, you are waste a lot of time when we don't know the dream for our life. If we are meandering, wandering, always, oh, who am I? Who am I? I don't know God's dream for me. Give me something, you know? Um, and going to every single prophetic person you see, every pastor you see, you know, to try to say, well, what, you know, give me a little word. Give me something, you know? If we don't know, we waste a lot of time. We waste a lot of time in that. Number eight, I'm trying to get through this. A dream stretches my faith. Yes, it's all about faith. A dream stretches my faith. The Bible says in Matthew um, 9.29, according to your faith will it be done to you. That's also another famous uh, verse that we say. We get to decide what God does in our life. We get to decide. If I give God full control, there's so much more he can do. There is so much more. Think about it. Can you get a lot more done with a child who is going to, you know, not resist you and you can, you know, get something done, like get his shoes on so you can get him to the bus stop or whatever? It's going to go much quicker and you're going to be able to get to do more things. If the child is resistant and is kicking every time you get one shoe on and then go to the other shoe, then he kicks off that shoe. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's going to take you much longer and it's just, Yeah. Right. So without cooperation there, it's going to be difficult, right? And so according to your faith, will it be done to you? It stretches you and it forces us to trust God. Having God-given dreams stretches our faith, forces us to trust God. Number nine, a dream keeps me going in tough times. If you don't have a dream, you'll burn out. You'll give up when things get tough. When things are not happening fast enough for you, you're going to give up. You're going to say, forget it, and you're going to quit. Every dream has delays. And you know what? The one dream that God gives you, it may take all of your life, and you may not see it uh, achieved until you're on your deathbed. 
or it could be the whole of life before it comes. You just don't know. But having that dream actually gives you the motivation to keep going. Having the dream before you keeps you walking towards it, and it, through the difficult times, it keeps you going. When Job lost everything, what did Job say? 6.11, Job 6.11, I do not have the strength to endure. I do not have a goal or a dream that encourages me to carry on. He's lost everything. It's not pain that makes us give up. It's pain without a purpose, goal, or dream that makes people give up. Does that make sense? It's not the pain itself that makes people stop and give up. I will endure all sorts of pain if there's a purpose to that pain. If I know that I have to endure this to save the life of my daughter, like if I have to go through, I don't know, kidney, donating a kidney for one of my daughters or some you know, torture of some sort to save my daughter, I will do it. Humans, it's incredible how much we can endure. We humans can endure a lot if it's to realize a dream or a goal. It's true. But if there's no reason why I should endure this torture or go through this, I'm not going to do it. There's no motivation in this world that if I don't have that dream or goal in front of me, that I'll be able to do it. Winning an Olympic gold. Think about athletes. Think about athletes, anybody who wants to win big, Super Bowl and other things, the sacrifices that they make. Athletes, when they think about winning the gold, winning the gold, not the silver, not the bronze, but winning the gold, what amount of pain, obstacles, and hardships can they not push through when they think about, I'm going to win the gold, right? They will literally almost do anything to push their bodies harder um, to be able to do that. Ten. A great dream inspires others to dream. I really like this one. A great dream inspires others also to dream. When we have dreams, it gives inspiration to others. It does. Again, I'm going to think about Reverend um, Dr. Martin Luther King and Lana. Their God-given dreams have inspired countless others, the whole civil rights movement. you know, And even him being martyred because he died, his dream, I have a dream, went on to be legend, and it inspired the whole movement. It inspired, you know, everything. Think about that, right? His dream was so much so that it inspired others. Lana's dream, because of her dream of a promised land for children not to be trafficked, how many people have come alongside her and it's inspired others to make a nonprofit organization, inspired others to become missionaries out there, inspired us to give financially, give offering, build a worship center for her. God-given dreams inspire others. If your goals are good, you will be respected. What does that mean? If your dreams are good, you will be respected. Meaning, like I said, people will come alongside you to support you. They will work with you. They will share in your dream. If your dream is good, I'm going to be so inspired. I'm going to join my resources with you, and I'm going to support you, and we're going to do this. I'm in. Yes, I'm bought into your dream as well. And your dream will be respected. It will be emulated copied and followed by others. 11, my self-discipline will be rewarded in heaven. Again, why do we do this? 1 Corinthians 9.25, all athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. It'll take self-discipline to achieve dreams. God rarely just hands it to us on a silver platter. 
right? We wish, you know, a lot of people, you know, have dreams that God is going to make me very wealthy so that I can use the wealth to influence or buy an orphanage or, you know, they have all these dreams, right? And they expect and really wish that it will come through a winning lottery ticket. Bam, it's done. Overnight, I've got it, you know, my dreams come true. Now I can use this money for such and such and such, right? So we think in those kind of terms. But rarely is our dream going to be handed to us on a silver platter, all nicely packaged. But remember why we do it. Not earthly rewards or glory, but an eternal reward. All right, and last one, yay, last one, last one. God-given dreams are a gift of the Holy Spirit. Let us not forget the place of the third person in the Trinity or a gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit allows us to dream. Peter prophesied in Acts, speaking and quoting from Joel, New Testament, Acts 2, 17, 18. Um, again, this is Peter speaking in Acts, uh, quoting. God says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will proclaim my message. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Yes, on all my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will proclaim my message. Everyone is included, young, old, sons, daughters, meaning men, women, everyone is included, no one is ex excluded. God's spirit will be poured out and we will have visions and dreams and we will proclaim who God is and the work of God. Oh, so that was the last one. Now, I wanna bring it back and say, as I close, it is indeed time to dream. I am so excited. Like I said, I feel like everything has just been really aligning. All the things that Pastor Q and I are talking about on a weekly basis at our staff meetings, it's all, it's, it's for this time. I feel like we are in a, a place right now where we're right on the edge. God wants to take Hope Church and also me personally, you know, you can ask me about it later, but there are certain things happening in my personal life as well that I just really, I, I just believe that God, it's, it's time to dream big, bigger than we can even do on our own for myself, my life, my family, but also for Hope Church. Through all these changes and things that are happening, we are moving forward. It is indeed time to dream for ourselves and for Hope Church. I can't wait to hear what God is revealing to you guys in these next 40 days. In your life groups, in your small groups, in your community groups, share, dream together, talk, pray, play together. You know, when you play together, various things and ideas, you get creative when you play together. My life group, we've been bowling every week. I mean, our goal, our dream is to beat Suk Chung's group. There, I said it. I put it out there, Suk Chung. <laughs> our life group is, is dreaming to beat Suk Chung and Hyunju's group in bowling. So the, the challenge has been thrown down. But, you know, when we play together, we're dreaming, dreaming about our victory over Suk Chung's uh, group. No. Um, but you play together, you eat together, you pray together, doing life together, whether that's with your family as well as your extended church family. I can't wait to hear what God is revealing to us as we dream together, particularly during Lent. During Lent, these 40 days of Lent coinciding with this 40-day campaign, 
many people give up something for Lent or they take on something that they normally don't do for these 40 days. So what I want you to do is really consider how you can go deeper in these next 40 days of Lent, but also with this campaign. What are we doing to really be able to realize God's dream for me and for my church? So let me pray for us and ushers we can um, prepare for communion. God, as we've heard, Lord, Father, you're speaking to us, and it is just that perfect timing, perfect moment, Lord, for us and for Hope Church, God, where you're taking us, what you're revealing to us, what you're showing us about our next steps, God. Help us to dream big. As I said, God, you don't even have a box, so it's not for us to think outside the box. It's for us to think with you, you who are boxless. So God, would you speak to us in these 40 days as we go deeper, as we delve in, God, with both feet and jump in. God, that you are revealing to us and bringing dreams, uh, bringing them forth and bringing them to the surface. Things that you would have for us to do in our families, in our relationships, in my neighborhood, in my communities, in my schools, in my church, in in my country, in my world. God, that you're giving us dreams, God-given dreams for us to live out with you. Help us to partner with you and to co-create with you, God. We delight in you, God. We thank you. We thank you.